Welcome to Alabama Short Stories, when you're a little behind on your Alabama history. I'm your host, Sean Wright. In 1986, the English goth band Susie and the Banshees released their album Tinderbox, which featured the single Cities and Dust. The song only made it to number 88 on the U.S. Billboard 200, but the song and the band, whose videos featured heavily on MTV, inspired me to buy the album. It is still one of my favorites to this day. Imagine my surprise when Birmingham showed up on their tour schedule of the United States. While Birmingham gets its fair share of concerts, bands like Susie and the Banshees usually skip Alabama. The concert was held at the Alabama Theater in downtown Birmingham, and I had to be there. If I had to guess, there were probably only 200 to 300 hardcore fans and curious onlookers in the 2,000-seat Alabama theater that night. I was to the right of the stage, and when I looked back to the main core of the audience, the only adult in terms of age I could see was famed photographer Spider Martin without a camera in the middle of the spiky-haired crowd. I don't remember the name of the opening band, but the singer is etched into my mind to this day. He stood erect at the mic with his head cocked to the right, holding a beer in his right hand at his thigh. He screamed unintelligible lyrics as the band wailed at their instruments. I say this through the eyes of myself as a 20-something, not a 60-year-old. While I didn't care much for the band, the group of Alabama punks, goths, and Spider Martin at the front of the stage danced and screamed and had the time of their lives. We may not have been at CBGB's, the famed New York Music Club, but the crowd would take this rare opportunity to act like it was. The band left the stage after their set, and the punks were fired up, ready for Susie Sue and her bandmates to appear. Then strange music started from beneath the stage and became louder and louder, music unlike what we had just heard. On the left-hand side of the stage, an organ rose from the floor. It was the mighty Wurlitzer and was being played by Cecil Whitmire. The audience stopped moving and became mesmerized. It was the most surreal moment in my time at the Alabama. Whitmire played a song, and when he finished, he disappeared into the floor of the Alabama theater to the audience's cheers. I bet to this day, that was the only time an organist played on Susie and the Banshees. These were tough times at the Alabama theater. Built in 1927, the theater lived up to its billing as the showplace of the South for the next 30 years or so. By the 1970s, Shoppers had stopped coming downtown, and the showplace of the South became not much more than a dollar movie theater. The small crowd at the Banshee shows brought in a fair amount of money, which was needed at the time. Several theater chains owned the Alabama theater during the 1970s and 80s, each expecting to do better than the last. Birmingham's own Cobb Theater chain gave it a shot, and even they were unsuccessful. The theater was sold to real estate developer Costa and Head, who had been renovating downtown Birmingham. This lifeline was short-lived as Costa and Head ran out of time and money. They went bankrupt in 1986. You could almost hear the wrecking ball moving in on the Alabama theater, but what saved the theater was the organ. The Alabama theater was built by Paramount Studios' Publix Theater Division as a grand movie palace to screen the studio's silent films. A preview for special guest was held on Christmas Day 1927, with the gala opening held the next day. Paramount Studio President Adolf Zukor proclaimed the Alabama the showplace of the South. Now, if you build a theater to show silent movies, you need an organ to accompany those movies. 
Paramount was building theaters around the country, and they contracted to have their own organ produced. The Crawford Special Publix One Mighty Wurlitzer organ was made. It was known as Big Bertha, or the Mighty Wurlitzer. It is one of only 17 ever built, and one of only three remaining today. The organ itself is a work of art. It was designed in a Moroccan style, painted red, black, and gold. The organ plays the standard assortment of pipes you would recognize from a church. But it also plays the piano, marimba, xylophones, glockenspiel, wind instruments, drums, blocks, and various whistles, cymbals, and triangles. In many theaters, organs were given a place of prominence, off to the side of the screen, maybe built into the decorations or taking up floor space. Radio City Music Hall in New York City famously features two organs behind curtains on both sides of the stage. When movies introduced sound and organs fell out of fashion, the first step in upgrading the theater would be to remove the organ. The Alabama theater organ was probably saved because of where it was located, beneath the stage. The organ could be played out of sight or raised to stage level. This unique feature is probably what saved the organ. Out of sight, out of mind. It was probably easier to leave it where it was than to take it out. When the Alabama Theater and the rest of downtown Birmingham started its downward spiral in the late 1960s, the Atlanta chapter of the American Theater Organ Society knew about the mighty Wurlitzer. They traveled to Birmingham to save the organ. This interaction and help from local volunteers eventually led to the creation of the Birmingham chapter of the Society. Through the 1980s, the chapter worked to keep the organ in working shape. It looked like the end was near when owners Costin Head went bankrupt. A plan was hatched to buy just the organ from the bankruptcy court, but the society was refused. They realized the only way to buy the organ was to purchase the entire theater. The Birmingham chapter of the American Theater Organ Society took control of the theater and saved the organ. But it was a challenging decade before the theater finally found its footing and started to be used more and more, making it financially stable. Birmingham Landmarks was established to run the theater, and they installed Cecil Whitmire as executive director, which he held until his passing. The Susie and the Banshees show was held during a low point in the theater's history and in downtown Birmingham. As Susie Sue sang the hit single, Cities and Dust, she could just as easily have been talking about what was right outside the door of this grand theater. Now, in my mind, the concert was pretty tame, and the audience looked worse than their bite. As the Goths and Spider Martin emptied onto 3rd Avenue North, Cecil Widmeyer and Tom Cronier walked down the aisles to clean up before heading home. Widmeyer looked down a row and saw that a knife had slashed the upholstery on two seats. Widmeyer placed his hand on the seat and, looking to the back, said to the theater itself, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you deserve better than this. We will never let this happen again. Due to the commitment of volunteers such as Cecil Whitmire and Tom Cronier, the Alabama Theater not only survived the downfall of downtown Birmingham, but is now an anchor for the city's revival. The theater hosts movies, plays, weddings, and concerts, and the mighty Wurlitzer is still played. If you haven't been to the Alabama Theater, you need to move it off your bucket list and go. I suggest you go when they screen the silent film The Phantom of the Opera, accompanied by the mighty Wurlitzer. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Alabama Short Stories Podcast. If you enjoyed listening, I would appreciate it if you would rate it and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you listen there. And if you know someone who might like to hear these stories, 
share this episode with them, and encourage them to subscribe. You can also support the podcast by purchasing the companion book from Amazon.com, which features the first three seasons of the podcast. Thanks again, and see you next time on Alabama Short Stories.